You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Well, welcome back to a new episode of the Partnernomics Podcast. I am joined by Partnernomics CEO Mark Brigman today. Mark, what's going on? What's going on, Tyler? You're making that sound all formal, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're here today doing our quarterly updates. Mark and I have talked about, you know, putting together a podcast each quarter, highlighting new updates with our company, partnerships that, you know, we are forming with other organizations, some updates that we're doing internally with the company and highlighting some of those questions that we hit on on our earlier episodes from some viewers. For anyone listening, you can send an email to podcast at partnernomics.com with any questions that you might have for Mark or myself. And you can also visit the podcast page on our website and submit questions through the form there. So the first question today, Mark, is from Stephanie out of Colorado. And Stephanie wants to know, the term strategic partnership seems highly overused. What is the specific definition and how should companies use them? Yeah, Stephanie, could not agree more. It's uh, the word strategic and the word partnering, I think, are two highly overused words in the business community today. And we happen to find ourselves right in the middle of both those two words. Uh, but yeah, so strategic partnerships, um, I, I believe that they, they each have two different criteria. One of those is I think that they have to involve some uh, piece of of innovation, something new, something creative, something that's going to cause this paradigm shift in the market and your company and your and your solution set. So I think that number one, it has to have some flavor of, of innovation that comes into it. And then number two, that innovation should open the door for for new opportunities for for pricing power. Um, an economist is going to say some competitive advantage. But in a nutshell, you know, so many of our products and services, let's generically call those solutions, over time, if they're, if they're successful, people want them, there's demand for them, we're going to have other competitors in the marketplace that are going to try to copy that solution, right? That's just kind of how economies work. And the only way that, that we can regain some pricing power, some margin, is, is by making a bigger easy button, as we like to call it. You have to provide a solution that, that has additional features and functions and shiny buttons on it that provide more value for your customers than what they can find elsewhere. And there's only one way to do that. It's through innovation. It's through that, that innovative process to get something new. And, and if successful, when successful, that innovation or that that, that partnership, that strategic partnership, that alignment of other complementary organizations to bring that solution to market should come with greater margins. And awesome. so that's kind of what you get out of it. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, you know, in our first course, when we talk about the quadrants of solutions and keeping in that pricing power, the strategic element of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I mean, any product or service that we put out into the marketplace, 
Um, I like to say there's, there's this magnetic pull that's, that's constantly trying to pull that down into, into the commodities quadrant. And if you find yourself playing in the commodities quadrant, there's only one thing that really matters, and that's price. It's yep. always a conversation around price. And so how do you change the game? Well, you change it by, by differentiation, by offering something to your clients that they can't get anywhere else. And when you're able to do that, it pulls you up into hopefully the strategic quadrant. And then that's where profits come from. That's where margin comes from. Good stuff. Uh, next one, Mark, this is out of, this is nice to see. We're going, you know, we work with some clients globally and it's cool to see some questions coming in from people not based in the U.S. Um, the next question is from Ashwin and he is from Bangalore, India. And Ashwin asks, in a previous podcast, you said you cannot get alignment. You can only discover alignment. Can you expand on this topic? Yeah, I'm glad that he picked up on that. Uh, so, you know, we, we say, we, we kind of teach and preach that over 50% of long-term partnership success happens before you ever sign the deal. So many times, even the academics, whenever they look at partnership success and, and trying to dissect what goes wrong in partnerships, they, their starting line is the date that the deal got signed. And then they look forward and they look at how the deal was managed or how the relationship unfolded. But we believe that over 50% of success happens before you ever sign the deal. So what does that mean? It means that companies need to do a better job of aligning with companies that have complementary cultures as well as complementary uh, strategies of, of just the, the product roadmap of where they're trying to take their business and the types of, of partners that they're wanting to attract, the types of customers they're wanting to attract. And so, you know, so many times, you know, our executives and even some of us partnering professionals, we just look at the landscape and we say, well, in our company, we need access to uh, somebody really strong in the, in the healthcare technology space. And so we go seeking people that have that missing link. We go looking for the resource, totally bypass the culture aspect, totally bypass the, the strategic direction that that company is heading in. And we just get fixated on that missing resource. And so alignment is so critical, but what we say is you, you have those conversations with potential partners and you try to uncover or discover what, what their strategic roadmap is. And then the question that you have is, are you in alignment with them? Are you speaking a similar language? Are you, are you riding a similar bus that's going to a similar destination or are they going in opposite directions? And if they are going in a similar direction, you automatically have a significantly higher opportunity or probability of having a successful partnership. But if you have to do a bunch of convincing to try to pull a partner over onto your interstate, just know that you're going to be attempting to pull your partner over onto your interstate the entire drive. Mm -hmm. And that almost never works. So you know, that, that's why we say that you, you really just 
look at alignment, you evaluate it, and, and you discover that you do have alignment, but you don't really ever get it or you can't influence somebody over onto your highway. And frankly, if they can be convinced that easily to move <laughs> off of their interstate, that should be a big red flag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one for you, Mark, came in from Robert from Texas. And Robert says, you say that partnerships fall on a continuum between highly transactional to highly collaborative. What does this mean and where does the average partnership sit? Yeah, good question. Yeah, so just like customers and clients, they're not all created equal. You know, partners and partnerships are not all created equal. And so we like to say that, you know, partnerships do fall on a continuum, somewhere between highly transactional and highly collaborative. And so on that highly transactional side, that's where, you know, supply chain management, procurement, sales, you know, a lot of those relationships where the script is already written, we've already got a playbook, we got a rule book, we've got a, a master services agreement, or we have some sort of a, a purchasing agreement. And uh, there's, there's not a lot of unknowns. We just lay it out there and, and the quote unquote partner, you know, agrees to kind of play ball or not. And, and those are important relationships, no doubt. And, and that's the vast majority of the relationships that businesses have. But there's, there's also another opportunity. And that's the opposite end of the spectrum. And that's truly where strategic partnerships live. And as we talked about whenever we kicked off this podcast, uh, strategic partnerships include innovation, something new, something different. And because it is new, there's not a script built for it. You know, we, we always hear this, you know, proverbial line of, you know, welding the ship as we sail it, or we're, you know, we're at building the plane as we're flying it. Well, that's in a lot of ways what strategic partnerships are, mm -hmm. is you're, you know, they have two or more organizations working together, pulling in some innovative components where when it's pulled off successfully, if and when it's pulled off successfully, it will create this paradigm shift. It will create this differentiation which will bring in opportunities for margins uh, because of that unique power that's there. And, and so, you know, it's been my experience that for most companies, I would venture to say 90% of the partnerships are more transactional or just kind of more prescriptive in nature. Mm -hmm. And 10%, you know, give or take, about 10% can kind of fall into that truly strategic quadrant. And just, just by definition, uh, those partnerships that are, are in the strategic side, they're going to take more nurturing, more conversations, more management, more leadership, just because the script isn't written. You have to go write the script as, as, you're, as you're building it. And longer time to see results potentially as well. Yeah, no question. Yeah, the, the yeah. strategic partnerships take a lot longer uh, to, to get results out of them. Great point. Uh, just because you not only have to put build these relationships, but then you're simultaneously building the new solution. And then, oh, by the way, you have to turn around and launch this new solution uh, into the market, whatever it might be. So it, it definitely takes uh, some time to unfold and to get that positive ROI. 
Uh, next one for you, Mark. Uh, Michael from California asks, what advice would you give to a partnerships team leader who is looking for an overarching process for partnering that will bring consistency and better outcomes for their partnerships? Yeah, awesome question. I appreciate that. Um, so throughout my career, you know, I was on teams, sometimes 35 people, 35 professionals doing partnering deals, you know, at a fortune 50. What was interesting is there were 35 people doing deals 35 different ways. And some of them were really, really good. And some of them were not, frankly, you know, so this, this could definitely be very frustrating for, for team leaders as they're trying to figure out, you know, what is the best way, the most efficient way, or if somebody goes out on sick leave, maternity leave, or they take another job and you step into the middle of their five, 10 deals that they have going actively, not even to, you know, not even accounting for the ones that they're managing that's post-signature, but how do you know where to, where, where to take over? And the thing that's missing is, is really a, a process that sits underneath of that 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 companies can and should adopt so that they do have this consistency. You know, most companies don't. That's that's literally at the Fortune 10 level where we have some clients. And so what uh, I guess the advice that I would give to, to Michael is, you know, just stand up some processes, have that consistency, look for certain tools that everyone on your team uses uh, because they can really be game changers. We're talking strategic partnering plans, having specific plans, term sheets, how to use term sheets, uh, those sorts of things. And even going beyond setting goals and building dashboards and some of these management uh, tools that could be used to, to manage partnering teams more effectively. But set up some consistency and don't try to overcook it. You know, we, we're big believers in the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Just focus on those 20% of, of tools and processes that will lead to 80% of the value and focus on that first. Get yeah. that down and then just continue to build. Um, so that wraps up our viewer questions. Uh, so now I'd like to move on, Mark, a little bit to about us and what we've got, you know, in the pipeline coming up, starting with you being a guest on Clubhouse. Um, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about what you're talking about on there. And I know you're on there with Michael Vormatog. And yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, Michael actually recently finished up one of our cohorts. Yep. And so he went through all of our core courses. But uh, Michael's with Mercedes-Benz, really cool guy, doing some really neat partnering stuff for, uh, for Mercedes-Benz over in Germany, talking about working with some, some international folks. But mm -hmm. uh, Michael was nice enough to invite us to come on there and, and chat with him specifically about partnering with sumos. So he gets a Love lot of different topic. folks that... Uh, <laughs> me too, me too. So he gets a lot of folks that uh, come into the clubhouse to talk to him uh, in their group uh, just about how to leverage the power of partnership. But this specific topic is how can smaller companies, you know, partner with the big dogs to help them accelerate their business and what are some things that they can do? So we've uh, we've worked with uh, a bunch of startups, but we've worked with a ton of 
Fortune 100s and Fortune 50s too. And it's interesting to, to hear them talk about how they partner. And it's very different <laughs> from each yeah. other. So <laughs> looking forward to that opportunity. Actually, it's later on today at uh, 1.30 Central. But uh, we'll have an opportunity to chat with some of their folks about leveraging the power partnership. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And next, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, Robin Dreek's course that we're partnering with him on the interpersonal communications one. Um, If you want to elaborate a little more on that, but also our strategic negotiating course with Mike Millich as well. Yeah, looking forward to both of those. Yeah, as you mentioned, we talked about the interpersonal communications course with Robin earlier. And like I said, Robin's uh, you know written three books and they're absolutely phenomenal. If there's one skill that people need to kind of get down to do partnering well, it's interpersonal communications. It's all about working with others. Yeah. And so there's some great insights that he shares in his books. And then we're making those uh, three books kind of come to life through our platform, through the courses. But uh, yeah, then the second thing that you mentioned is a course with Mike Millich. And uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, Mike and I have have known each other for, gosh, I guess four or five years, uh, been working together, traveled across the country, um, delivering each of our different courses to, to each other's companies um, and, and clients. But man, Mike has a great... Uh, just a great methodology for negotiating. And I love it. And as we alluded to earlier, you know, there's a couple different approaches to negotiating mm-hmm. and kind of the two main approaches is one is this kind of get to yes, short-term mindset, uh, you know, hostage negotiation sort of a thing where I just, you know, I got to get you to yes. And then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Well, in partnerships, that's not the case for us. Whomever we do deals with, we're going to be living with them, hopefully for years into the future. And so it's all about the relationship and building on trust, establishing trust and building trust. And, and that's actually a very different approach. And so the thing that I love about Mike's, um, you know, his framework is, it's, it is all about the relationship. It's, it's not taught enough. Yeah. And so it's, it's a powerful course and uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to, to bring that to folks. For sure. I'm really excited that we're, you know, kind of opening the umbrella of and hitting these different topics of partnering that, you know, we, we cover in our three courses, but really bringing those to the ground floor and the importance of these different topics. It's I'm excited to really drill into those. Yeah. I mean, Mike's standard course is, is three days. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one thing to go through a course to learn the success practices, but then it's a whole nother level of learning whenever you get to practice and do yeah. the how to piece. And that's one of the things that we're really going to bring to life in Mike's course here in in negotiating is we're going to have people watch and basically kind of participate in their own way in these negotiation simulations. And so they can decide which route would they go and, uh, and, and kind of justify why. 
And then we'll be able to share what the optimal route was and describe why. And so it, it's going to be a really powerful experience. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. And last update uh, that I am extremely excited about. You are currently working on a new book with Jay McBain. Uh, I'd love for you to dive into you know, some of the main topics and what you two are going to be covering in the book. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, you know spending some more time with Jay and working on the different topics that we're going to hit uh, for the book. But yeah, I think it's it's really going to be centered on ecosystems and what mm-hmm. this ecosystem thing means. You know, it's like as each year passes, there's more and more technologies that are coming into our daily lives, coming into our businesses which means there's more opportunities to partner. Um, you know, the, the traditional, you know, business course, business methodology, the, those, those of us that went to business school, they hear, you know, understand what your core competency is and stick with your core competency. You know, if you get out on the fringes, you get outside of your core competency, it gets really dangerous. And then that's where you start swimming in waters that you don't understand. That's where you, you know, run the risk of, of, running your business into the ground because you're out there, you don't know what you're doing. But then you kind of contrast that with, um, you know, some Clayton Christensen's of the world, these great thought leaders that talk about, you know, jobs to be done. Look at your clients. What, what do your clients want? And then that's what your solutions need to be. You have to bridge the gap between what your solution is today and, and what, customers are asking for making mm-hmm. that easy button bigger well that's that's where partnerships come into play because you understand your core competencies and then if you understand how to partner if partnering is a core competency for your organization then anything can be a core competency for your organization you just have to find that company that's out there that has that missing link that you need and if you know how to partner hopefully they know how to partner or you know it well enough to coach them to to make it this symbiotic mutually beneficial relationship but those are the companies that are going to win over the next decade are the ones that you know intrinsically they they already have great solutions but customers are always looking for more. They're always looking for a bigger easy button. They're, they're always looking for more integrated ways to do things. And so the world is becoming too complex for us to just do it organically or for us to just get out the checkbook and, and acquire other companies. We have to be able to do it through partnering as well. That has to be a tool. And so companies that can do it well are companies that are going to win over the next decade. And so you have these, you know, traditional, I would say, you know, generally speaking, I'd say about 75% of partnerships that are, that are out there in this big world today are channel-based partnerships. Um, but those, but channel partnerships, generally speaking, are pretty transactional in nature. Yeah. I mean, it's designed to be very, um, prescriptive and pretty repetitive and there is a playbook for them Um, but what the future is going to require is some infusion of innovation 
some infusion of making the easy button bigger. And it's, it's going to require a different playbook, you know, an expansion of the playbook. And there's, there's not really, there's not a playbook written for that. And so that's really what the ecosystem is. The ecosystem is taking your solution, but making it bigger and broader, laying this web over the top of it so that you now have the opportunity to leverage all the other lanes, whether it's marketing, it's research and development, it's data, it's new product sets, it's all of those things, layering those over the top of your company today and being able to leverage them. Yeah. So you said the, I like the 75% statistic about, you know, that being the primary way of partnering that channel uh, idea. Do you see that percentage decreasing in the upcoming decade as this whole ecosystem space comes into play more? Yeah, good question. I think that, you know, like what we traditionally think of as the channel today, mm-hmm. that will be kind of this, this main layer that that is in place and will always be in place. But the real question is, how can that main interstate be complemented by other things? And really, to me, that's what the ecosystem is. How do we get new research and development partnerships to tie into that? How do Mm -hmm. we get um, new marketing and new markets opening? How can we leverage the power of different influencers to, to, to connect in with us? How can we leverage new technologies, new intellectual property development, new co-creation um, opportunities for solutions that are complementary to us? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of different ways that we can now uh, branch out sideways from the channel as opposed to just going down this chute. Uh, in the future, we need to, to start going sideways to, to add value to, to our customers and our clients. Um, so you know, theoretically, both of them could increase. The channel yeah. itself could get bigger, but, but without a doubt, these ancillary pieces, which is really what the ecosystem is, these ancillary pieces will really be the game changers because that's where I think the new growth can come from is who yeah. can, who can most successfully, more efficiently put that puzzle together. Thank you for tuning in to our quarter two recap. Um, again, if you have any questions for Mark or myself, feel free to shoot those questions to podcast at partnernomics.com or visit the website on our podcast page and you can submit on the form there. Uh, We look forward to you listening to future episodes and we will see you in quarter three. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.